I'm Frauka Gallia, and this is An Aromatic Life. Today I have a very special guest for you. I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. Now, if you've been working in the field of aromatherapy for a long time, you'll definitely be familiar with his work. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you might learn some new things about him too. Now, if you're new to aromatherapy or you've been working with essential oils for a little while, this could be a chance for you to learn lots of new things, which is always great, right? So today I'd like to introduce you to Gabrielle Moget. Gabrielle first studied natural medicine in 1978, initially training in shiatsu therapy. In 1988, he completed four years of training in traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture and became a member of the British Acupuncture Council. Gabrielle has completed courses in scientific aromatherapy with Pierre Franchon and Dr. Daniel Pionuel and with the Natural Oils Research Association. In his private practice, Gabrielle specializes in the therapeutic use of essential oils, herbal medicines, and aromatic acupressure. In 1990, Gabrielle founded the Register of Qualified Aromatherapists and was the first chairman of the UK Aromatherapy Organizations Council, also known as the AOC. In 2002, he was instrumental in the formation of the International Federation of Professional Aromatherapists, the IFPA, which has 2,000 members worldwide, and he's currently serving as its chairman. Gabrielle has given lecture presentations at numerous international conferences. He's contributed articles to leading aromatherapy natural health journals, and he's given seminars in Japan, Korea, China, Hong Kong, Australia, Ireland, Mexico, and Brazil. He is co-author of Shiatsu, The Complete Guide, and author of Aromatherapy for Healing the Spirit, which is what we talk about in our conversation. Wow, that's impressive, isn't it? He's got a wealth of knowledge to share, and we discuss a lot of different topics, so I won't hold you up any longer. Just make sure you listen all the way to the end, because you're going to get some interesting insights into the personal side of the man. All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Gabrielle Moget. Well, Gabrielle, I'm so happy to have you here today. I been a huge fan for a long time and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me today. Uh, you know this podcast is all about living an aromatic life and appreciating your sense of smell from lots of different angles. So I know everybody listening is going to be very interested in hearing your perspective on the subject but I'm going to be honest with you many people listening may not be familiar with you because I've got a really diverse audience. Of course, I right. think anyone who's an aromatherapist or an avid student of essential oils will know you, of course. But for the benefit of others, I'd love for you to take just a few minutes to give listeners an understanding of your incredible comprehensive resume. I'll tell you what I know. I understand that you're trained in shiatsu therapy and oriental medicine, having trained in both traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. You're also an herbalist and clinical aromatherapist. So what am I missing? <laughs> Please tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, where you live now, and how all of these different disciplines thread themselves together. Okay, thank you, Frauke. Well, first, I just want to say thank you very much for inviting me to your uh, podcast, which um, I think um, 
your themes indicate that it holds great promise, I think, you know, um, <laughs> for the future. And um, yeah, so it's a, it's a lovely opportunity. Thank you. Um, yeah, so no, professionally, that, that uh, kind of encapsulates my background in terms of um, the disciplines and therapies that I've um, explored and qualified in over the years. Well, I, I grew up actually, or from the ages of five to 15 on the east coast of the US in Maryland, just outside uh -huh. Washington DC, because my dad got a, a job there as a research cancer uh, scientist. And um, I think that had a big impression on me because it's a very deciduous environment. You know, we, 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 lived, we lived near a creek, Rock Creek, which is a famous, you probably know, uh, so actually a national park that extends all the way from suburban Maryland and into downtown Washington, DC. And I think growing up in that kind of really, you know, the, 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 the greenness of the environment, the trees, that, that sort of lushness, which in summer is this like, you know, it, it, it's just an overwhelming feeling of being connected to nature. And I think, I think that, that stayed with me and probably is, when I think about it now, is probably one reason why I'm really drawn to a lot of, although I love all the natural fragrances and essential oils, I think that possibly those with a particular kind of green coniferous, you know, the leafy, the, the, this, the sylvian uh, quality of aroma is kind of very deep within me. Oh yeah. Um, anyway, and uh, 15, I came back um, with my family and um, went to school in Cambridge and then to university in Bristol where I um, studied literature, in English literature. Oh. And um, so that actually, that's come out, that, that kind of aspect of me, if you like, is also is something that is nice because I've been able to bring it into my in fact, my, write, my current writing work at the moment, which is um, integrating within a book where I'm looking at the effects of essential oils on hydrosols on the mind and the soul. And it's integrating what I've referred to, and I've, I've done that several over the years, called aromatic sonnets. And um, they're I actually now referring to them as scented plant sonnets, um, and they're they're in a so they're in a classical Shakespearean sonnet form, and they're they're not they're not so much if you like, kind of lyrical, um, either personal evocations there in that way. You know, they're they're actually encaps each one or, you know, in fact, each stanza encapsulates some key points about the traditional symbolism of that aromatic plant. Oh, nice. And um, I work well, you know, for, <laughs> it's in my nature that for, it's a kind of a paradox that more of my creativity comes out in when I 
have to when I've got you know kind of a highly structured type of verse to work with rather than kind of free form you know ah. and um anyway so that that that's also been a particular influence but when I was at university or before in my gap year I spent six months in Paris and um I was just doing a job to you know kind of uh right, <laughs> earn right. food, <laughs> earn food yeah, money. <laughs> and um, I was working with this fellow one day who um had the clear he i think he was in his 40s but he had this incredibly luminous clear skin and i remember once he had this kind of little grotto apartment overlooking notre dame cathedral <laughs> it's like and re he was reading things like plato and <laughs> so it's this intriguing character and one day i got combined with him in this job which was going around paris putting leaflets in letter boxes you know i was like 18. right right and um and I was like, well, when are we going to stop for lunch? You know, and he said, well, you know, I'll, I'll take you somewhere later. We because we started at like seven in the morning. We finished by three. Okay. He ended up taking me to this kind of really funky, interesting restaurant called the Bol en Bois, you know, the wooden bowl. Uh -huh. And they were playing Crosby, Sills and Nash, you know, and and, it, and I walked into this little shop and there was all these weird, I remember the burdock root and smelling that and there were books and there was this book called the book of macrobiotics. Ah. And that was it. I opened it up and there were pages about yin and yang and that was my life unfolded right right there without me knowing, of course. Right, right. And of course, I went through my first few years of that, of, uh, that, that was a book by Mishi Okushi, um, who wrote, also wrote about the order of the universe. And it was very, that particular book, although food was central to it, mm -hmm. I think it was, it was, you know, literally macro, great life, you know, it was, it had a kind of cosmological perspective, if you like. Right. But plant, I mean, but, you know, thinking about yin and yang, like he, you know, he, he, he really, in nature, you know, we've got the animal kingdom, vegetable kingdom, you know, the more yang kingdom, the more yin one. And, you know, so I think that also slowly took me into plants, you know, Okay. Um, through, you know, just started out with macrobiotics, like, you know, using, I don't know, using sea vegetables and, and exploring the whole world of vegetables. And then in the mid eighties, I um, came across a teacher, Carlo De Paoli, who was teaching Western herbs according to Oriental medicine. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd already, you know, done my shiatsu training by then. So, you know, I was going further into working with oriental medicine. And this was an opportunity to connect it to, you know, the plants that grow in our European and North American environment, mm -hmm. uh, rosemary, sage, thyme, and understanding them according to um the therapeutics of you know traditional chinese medicine and then it was one small step in a way or actually even part of the course virtually the one that i did in 1985 although it wasn't per se 
an aromatherapy course, uh, the essential oils obviously came in there. And so that's how I, you know, went, got focused in particular on um, aromatic plants and essential oils. So that's, that, that was sort of my journey uh, into aromatherapy. And then you became a clinical aromatherapist, is that right? Yeah, you know, it's funny, the term clinical aromatherapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it really, um, that, that particular uh, way, that particular term, I think, was initially perhaps in the first, in the 80s, 90s in particular, was mainly a way of distinguishing between a more kind of superficial kind of, you know, it was to emphasize the fact that you're treating clinical conditions. Got it. Um, and that, which of course, in that, that was part of my private practice as a licensed acupuncturist, which I finished that training in 1987. Okay. And, integrated Western herbs and essential oils therapeutics as part of my private practice with, you know, and treating patients with, you know, a, a wide variety of diseases and disharmonies. So in that sense, um, that's, you know, that, that, that was reflected in the term clinical aromatherapy. It's just that my work, for example, especially with Rhiannon Lewis um, and as associate editor of the International Journal of Clinical Aromatherapy and helping promote a particular um, conference based at Royal Marsden Hospital in London, which is specifically more for aromatherapists who are working in a clinical environment, in other words, a hospital type of right. environment. Yeah. So the term has got used in different contexts by, if you like, different people and my own way of applying it has evolved, but people still use it to just to emphasize the fact that they're treating clinical conditions. Um, but it, and from another point of view, it also refers to the kind of aromatherapy, which is in a way exclusive to, to hospital environments. Yeah, there's also, I mean, in a way you could say that in, in, in general terms, there's, you know, clinical is a polarity um, on one hand with holistic on the other. Okay. Yeah. But I think though that, I guess in a way for me, it's about bringing those two together. And I mean, there is a, there's a, a well-known journal in the US, the internet, I always forget whether holistic or clinical comes first. But it's, I think it's the, <laughs> it's the, uh, International Journal of Holistic Clinical Aromatherapy. And I, and I think that's a good thing for aromatherapists to aspire to. Right. And, and in fact, I think, it, I think it in a way encapsulates what some of the key pioneers and founders like Jean Valnet, Dr. Valnet, and, and especially more, more, um, more, uh, Marguerite Maury, really, right. how they envisioned aromatherapy as being a blend of holism and science and uh, chemistry and if you like energetics right right it's such a vast field isn't it yeah i mean um and i think that um you know introduce or 
I think you mentioned in, in our correspondence how smell is often neglected on the other hand, you know, and I think one of the, you know, one of the benefits and if you like missions of, in a way, not just particular aromatherapy, but, you know, essential oil awareness as a whole yeah. is to help restore that gap that is, a, as, a, as you know, is a result of our modern environment where there's so much emphasis on, well, on the visual. I mean, in particularly now, I mean, if you think since, you know, since last March with our lockdowns in various countries and our reliance on the screen. Yeah. I think in a way more than ever, there's an emphasis of the senses on the visual and auditory. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, smell keeps us connected to nature. You know, it keeps us con it keeps us connected to the natural world. And something that is very central to my understanding of the of how fragrance is understood in terms of Oriental medicine, in particular, we say that it's the smell is the sense of what we call in TCM the bodily soul, the po. Okay which is housed by the lungs. And it's really, it sounds quite, you know, sort of um, complex, but actually the bodily soul is just your, it, it, it's your body consciousness, your body awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and in that way, it also relates to, your, relates to your instinctive being. In fact, another name for it is the animal soul. And um, as opposed to the reason the, bodily, the term bodily soul is used, it's to use to distinguish it from the ethereal soul, which is connected to the liver. And the ethereal aspect of your soul is more your imagination, your philosophical soul. You're more yang, if you like, the yang expansive aspect of your soul. Right. right. Whereas the bodily soul or po is that yin sensory. In fact, it's all the senses, but despite being all the senses, all five senses, it's smell, which is most central to this idea of the bodily soul housed in the lungs. And I think that, um, you know, that's, you know, a, in modern life tends to distract us from that experience into, you know, our other senses and our other aspects of our consciousness. I wanted to actually just ask you, you've been in the, the field of aromatherapy for a long time now. We're going to get into your book that you wrote, I think, 25 years ago, you said. Um, yeah. But we'll get into that. But just broadly speaking, I'd love for us just have a, a few minutes of conversation about how this field of aromatherapy has changed over the years and where we are today. You know, you, you touched on this aspect of our sense of smell. I think that's, you know, I, I haven't been doing aromatherapy as long as you have, obviously, but that's what I noticed when I got into the field is how much emphasis, and I, I have to speak from the perspective of the U.S. here because that's where I live, but yeah. how much emphasis is on the essential oils and how little emphasis there is on the person. And that's kind of where, I, where I'm trying to switch it is. Well, you know. in a way that's always been there. Okay. You know, I mean, because that, that's, that's more, I think that 
there's a tendency, a popular tendency mm-hmm. to simplify, you know, sort of cultural phenomena. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's funny because as you say that, yeah, I, I can tell you some of the key and actually I would say admit profound ways that aromatherapy has changed since, say, 1985, okay, when, you know, I became, you know, or, or started working with essential oils and, and so forth. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of feel when I think about it from my own experience, in some ways, I sort of feel like I've been in my own sort of professional cocoon <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I've known Robert Tisserand since 1980 and, and Shirley Price and some of the other, yeah. you know, well-known people in, in, and I would say that our passion and understanding and commitment, the way we work with aromatherapy has actually been pretty consistent, <laughs> you know? So the changes I've seen are all in a way more kind of external ones, you know, in the, wor- in the, the rest of the world, you know? Right. Um, I would say that for me, for, for well, it's trying to speak primarily for me, right. but in, you know, in, in that context, I, I think that one good thing what is for me in, tremendously exciting, okay? I would say that in particular over the last mm, decade or two, but especially like gathering momentum over even over the last five years, okay? Is the degree of new research that you can access on, yes. on PubMed. It's called PubMed, if you know, the right, listeners right. aren't aware of it. You can do searches and, you know, that's immensely useful. And because actually, I think true, you know, if you really are truly interested in the energetics, if you like, of essential oils, the TCM energetics or the Ayurvedic energetics or the energetics based on traditional Greek medicine, okay? Yeah. That actually makes you more interested in the research evidence for efficacy and safety of essential oils and a lot more of that has come online you know in the the last few years and decade and so forth with a lot of access even to free papers which 10 or 20 years ago were were like a little bit like gold dust you know to have access to that right everything's behind closed doors (laughs) yeah yeah so things have opened up on that level of course, we all know that, um, especially since the, around the late 90s, you know, there became, you know, a, a wave of, um, of um, interest from, you know, the multi-level marketing industry, as we know, you know, and they, they picked up on essential oils. I think in a way, as, as a way, well, for me, it, lo- it looked very much you know, that there was more interest in the profit that can be made rather than a real commitment to essential oil therapeutics as, you know, as a transformational healing art. Right. And I say that because the vast majority of interest uh, and, you know, 
of course there are exceptions, but the vast majority of interest coming in that in within that arena um, doesn't. I've not seen very much concern about education, um, or even to be honest with you, even really taking account of fundamentals you know, concerning safety in terms of, in particular, in terms of, you know, methodologies of application, uh, you know, neat application, um, just, you know, um, you know, basically lots of people making recommendations for oral ingestion with really no qualifications whatsoever. And that was obviously completely you know, anathema to me as a practitioner emerging, you know, from, from the 80s when, you know, even to prescribe herbal, you know, teas and tinctures, um, yeah. you would, you know, need three years of full-time study as a medical herbalist in here in the UK or something equivalent to going to Bastyr University yeah. or the National College of Naturopathy in Portland or you know one of the other leading herbal schools and 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 that's just for teas and herbal teas and you know aqueous extracts let alone distilled essential oils which are you know far more concentrated and have quite powerful pharmacological actions and we've seen the result of that you know we've seen ab reactions we've seen side effects we've seen allergies we've seen rashes we've seen them online i've seen photos of them we yeah. have databases of injuries so that is something that has changed since if i go back to sort of 85 90 to 95 so in that way the commercialization the exploitation sadly for in the interest of profit and based on a model where the one percent only really profit yeah a very small percentage at the top and i kind of see it or even that model as you know in some ways mirrors society as a whole <laughs> sadly yeah. but but as i say you know coming back to the positive for me personally it's you know i've been in the communities that I engage with. And it's a global community. You know, we have a global community of holistic aromatherapists, in particular in this country, USA, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, South Africa, you know, Brazil, right. um, Mexico. And, you know, I've, I'm very connected. And that, that's, I know a lot of people you know, I, I'm, a quali I'm aware of a lot of the, um, uh, you know, drawbacks of social media. But on the other hand, you know, Facebook does actually help keep me connected and I can share lots of ideas about natural fragrance and essential oils with friends from all over the world. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
So let's get into a little bit, like, I just want to use as an anchor your book, right? Aromatherapy for Healing the Spirit, Restoring Emotional and Mental Balance with Essential Oils, written 25 years ago. And I know you're going to say I've updated my thinking a little bit since that time, but just using that as an anchor, because it's a beautiful yeah. book. Thank you so much for thank writing. Thank you. Oh, I thank you. Right here, I, I, I've, I've earmarked so much of it and highlighted right. and, and so much I use it um, wow. time. So yes, it's, it's, it's a ragged little thing now, but it's oh. cool. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, but I, I wanted to just talk about different subjects within the book and maybe you can give us your updated um, you know, thoughts on it. But sure. we'll start with the concept of mind and body because I love that, this holistic approach, right? So yeah. you say in the introduction of your book that much of the wisdom of oriental medicine lies in the appreciation of the fact that there's a connection between the spiritual and the material, and that this can be applied equally to aromatherapy and to the use of essential oils. And I love what you have, I think it's in the introduction of your book, what better way to influence the mind and spirit than through a physical medium that captures with such evocative power, the very essence of nature. That's beautifully said. So can you explain how essential oils can be such a psychological and spiritual source of healing for us? It's funny because um, with the, the notes you sent me in advance, I, I'd actually completely forgotten that I'd written that. So oh. it, was, uh, it was interesting <laughs> to, 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 to read again. Um, I might contact the author if he doesn't mind me using it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that sounds a bit arrogant, though, doesn't it? No, anyway, no. <laughs> um, well, well <laughs> I think that um, I think that uh, you know, with with Oriental medicine, we have this you know we have a you know as we as well known centuries old um, empirical tradition. You know, in other words, it's based on the experience of practitioners. Um, over even literally thousands of years, accumulated wisdom and literature. And from that, there is, you know, a system of understanding, theories of understanding, where, you know, there is this uh, relationship between our key aspects of our psychological makeup and our internal organs, our, our main organs. I mean, we you know an obvious one. I mean, although it would seem almost, you know, like a cliche, the, the, the heart right. would be connected to love. Um, but actually, you know, that, that, is a, that is part of the theory of understanding um, what, we, what we refer to, you know, our understanding of the heart, energetically speaking. Right. Know. Uh, and what I mean by energetically speaking is that it's through observation and in the treatment of people in practice, you know, in, in, in even in a, a functional way. So, so basically a big advantage, you know, what, 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 the, what the wisdom also similarly with, for example, with Ayurvedic medicine, what, what traditional Chinese medicine can bring is this really highly refined, sophisticated, um, interconnected understanding that um, brings together organ function and key 
um, emotional as well as spiritual aspects of ourselves. And that, that's, that's bound up, you know, with the, with the five elements, which is not the only key theory in TCM, because of course there's also yin yang and right. an and understanding that spilt around, around that. But where the five element theory in Chinese medicine is especially useful for understanding um, psychological disharmonies of the individual. And um, in, you know, and in a way that where the emphasis is on the individual, not just the particular disease or ailment, whether it's anxiety or depression, it's understanding that even those fundamental psychological uh, problems can have different causes and manifest in different ways according to the individual, okay? Right. And if you look among the possible range of essential oils that are described as being anxiolytic, you know, good for anxiety or good for depression, you, you think, oh my gosh, you know, there's so many. <laughs> Which one is gonna be right for me? Now, there is a role, of course, for, you know, individual preference based on, you know, your olfactory sense, your smell and what you feel drawn to. Um, but are you going to be able to smell 70, 80 possible essential oils and then decide, you know, so exactly. I think preference can come into it. But the, that the, the, what I focus on in the book, using the five element system and applying it through simple questioning and observation of the individual, whether you call them the client or patient, through that questioning, and there are other, other types of observation, you know, that you, you, you can employ uh, that is related to, you know, facial, uh, skin tone color, or um, sound, even the sound of the voice, in fact. So there are, there are ways of assessing sort of through these systems, through methods of like holistic diagnosis. Right. But even more fundamentally is the questioning and of the client. And not just them telling you the narrative of what triggered their anxiety or depression, but actually explaining to you the nature of it. You know, is it, is it more characterized by, you know, feeling overwhelmed with a lot of mental anxiety and worry? You know, is it more a case of feeling, you know, a sense of dread and apprehension? Um, is, it, is, is, is your imbalance more characterized by feeling, you know, irritable and moody and so forth? So all, you know, when, when you take account of the actual feelings and emotions of the individual, okay, the five element system provides you with a very useful practical framework that guides you towards thinking about certain essential oils and what has what i've taken what i've one dimension of the book which i've developed in particular since then is based on the concept of fra fragrance energetics right. and 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 it's the idea the fundamental concept of that it, it is there in the book but i'm working on a new work that will bring that much more to the fore. Ooh. 
and it's understanding that the main fragrance families, and I often have taught this for you know, quite a few years now, one of the first things I say when I introduce the idea of fragrance energetics is that the goal for me of that class, whether it's a day or a weekend or whatever, is that the participants leave it with the sense that after that, the, the experience of resinous or fruity fragrance or sweet herbaceous or, you know, or earthy, rooty, uh, spicy, floral. Right. They're actually not just qualities. They're actually actions. They're actual influences. Peter Holmes, who's a big has been a very big influence on me, um, who uh, is also coming from the tradition of TCM and is a medical herbalist and is also an author. He's referred to those as effective qualities that, that, re that the, the, the resinous of frankincense, the, 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 the green pungent herbaceous of rosemary, they're more than just qualities. They actually reflect actions okay. on the body. You know, they're, they're actually active. Um, and so that, 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 in a way, kind of expresses what fragrance energetics is about. And you can use that because those different fragrance energy categories have, you know, specific... They have, I mean, it's, of course, you know, you're going to fine tune it with, with a particular essential oils, but as a group, as a kind of family, um, for example, the spicy, they're going to have a generally invigorating, um, you know, kind of uplifting, warming, warming to the spirit effect on, you know, and then ginger or black pepper or clove, you know, they're cinnamon, they'll have their individual nature or signature but they're going to share that. So, and the interesting thing is that this is not really anything new because it's actually inherent in the way that botanical remedies were understood since antiquity, because all the major herbals describe herbs in a similar way, of course, not based on their smell or fate, not based on their odor, but based on their taste. And so even, you know, but, you know, uh, going back to, to Galen in ancient Greece and the Renaissance herbalists uh, like um, John Gerard, if you read, you know, his huge volume where he goes through, you know, hundreds of botanicals used in the 16th century England, I mean, always, it always starts out by describing the taste whether it was more bitter, sweet, pungent taste, because they understood intuitively that that reflected its action. Similarly, in the Chinese pharmacopoeia, the way that Chinese herbs are described, the way that ginseng is described as being sweet and bitter, those tastes or taste energies, they reflect specific effects. So describing essential oil energetic actions according to the main fragrance notes is just a translation 
of something that is inherent in traditional botanical medicine of in in all the major systems of of uh, traditional medicine so we just have more of a language for it now it's always been there yeah well um yeah it's it's it, it does provide a language you know and i mean just as i mean the fragrance families are the language of perfumery that's right <laughs> And um, but, you know, the interesting thing is that in, you know, in terms of essential oil energetics, again, that, you know, the core key language is, again, we call them, you know, fragrance energies, but, you know, um, it's very parallel to the fragrance families and perfumery. And of course, the interesting thing as well is that each of, you know, each of those uh, fragrance groups or fam uh, energies are also, you know, are inseparable from the, the chemistry of the oils as well. And, and, then, and then in turn from their pharmacological actions. Yeah, yeah, all connected. Yeah. Can we talk a minute about yin and yang? Because a lot of listeners might not have a lot of background on oriental medicine and just what I understand about yin and yang is so yin is the yeah. material, the substantial, the, yeah. visible, the solid, and then yang is the immaterial, yeah. the non-substantial, invisible, and dynamic. So can you talk about those two forces a little bit? Actually, you've kind of said it very well and it's very good, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I think that, um, you know, you can, um, I, what, what you what you uh, refer to just then in terms of the you know the the substantial nature of yin versus the insubstantial nature of yang um, and with, with within the individual you know between our physiology and well I mean you know in terms of anatomy and physiology for example it, you know, the, the yin is more our physiology, it's our structural and physical makeup, whereas the yang is um, more like the functioning. Sorry, I've got things, I've got a bit mixed up there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> what, I, what I meant was the yin is the anatomy, the yeah. yang is the physiology. Sorry about that. Okay. The yin is the, the, the anatomy being essentially the body's structural makeup. That is the yin, the, 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 the substantial. And then in a way, we can see the functioning, but the functional heartbeat, movement of blood and lymph, nervous conductivity, those active uh, aspects of our, you know, our uh, biology are, you know, that are, they're more the physiology of uh, the body you know, they're, they're the more yang aspect. Um, so that there's a distinction there, but you know, you can really, everything in nature and in the body, really, you can distinguish, you know, between, between yin and yang. So that, you know, sticking with the body, I mean, if we, you know, and we were talking about, you know, the, the way that essential oils affect us when we absorb them, Okay, either through respiratory means, through oral ingestion, through via the skin, which is much slower, of course. Right, right. But um, 
the effect that they have is on both pharmacological, okay? You know, in other words, it affects our biological functioning. Okay? That's a more yin because it's to do with the body, but they also affect our consciousness, our mood, you know, and um, our focus, our concentration. Those are more yang. So, you know, that's another, you know, so wherever you look in, within ourselves, but even in nature, of course, between day and night, you know, summer, winter, it's just that inherent polarity of, uh, you know, in, in the universe as a whole and in, in nature, if you like. But obviously teaching about essential oils as I do, I, you know, I tend to obviously concentrate on how yin and yang work in terms of our health and that and, and well-being. And, and actually, on, a, on looking at the more like subtle aspects of essential oils, when I refer to, you know, their effect as the effect on the mind and also their sub, more subtle effect, even in the Western tradition, you can distinguish between soul and spirit. A lot of people kind of see those two terms as interchangeable, but actually the soul is a more yin aspect because it's more connected to our feelings um, and our moods and our memory. And the spirit is much more pure essence of ourselves that has a more yang nature to it. Interesting, yeah. So you can always so that's connect a, things even further, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they need each other, which is what I love about yin and yang. What I've been reading about it is that they can't exist yeah. without each other and they never stay fixed. They're always dynamic in tension. Yeah. There's an interdependence yeah. as well. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even, you know, funnily enough, I remember even, I remember actually the first time I heard about, I, I you know, that's interesting because I actually remember the first time I heard about yin and yang was prior to opening that book in Paris in whatever it was, 1977. It was prior to that because at school, when I was studying history, um, somebody in the class, they, maybe they were showing off their knowledge a bit to the teacher, but they'd read, they'd read, they'd read some of the writings of a historian called Philip Toynbee. And Philip Toynbee introduced this idea. I don't know how respected he is, you know, these days, but I think he, certainly in the 70s, he was quite well known and respected. But Philip Toynbee talked about cycles of yin and yang in world history. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, in other words, you know, I suppose the Middle Ages was more like a yin period because it was more fallow. There wasn't, you know, there were long periods when everything was more static serfdom and you know there weren't maybe lots of conflicts and wars going on and then you know the french revolution would be more of a yang time and so i mean you know you can even see it in a, in a kind of cultural historical sense uh, i'm sure you could think about that even in even in the, the, the 20th century yeah interesting interesting i would say that you know the pandemic has really made us extremely yin you know, because Yang is about going out, exploring, yes. you know, um, and, and, you know, in a, in a kind of simplistic way, you can kind of see it in different points of view, but um, we're definitely, by retreating, you know, as we've had to do, um, 
you know, we've definitely gone through and really when you think about it, an unprecedented yin uh, moment, I think, uh, since the pandemic. But the thing that I've reflected on is that, you know, uh, there's a, even the, um, the, uh, the people, even in the, the uh, people in charge of the health policy at the UN and so forth have written about the dangers inherent in um, the way that we are encroaching upon wilderness and, you know, um, deforestation and the, the wild habitats of these animals that are in, you know, carry the virus naturally have been reduced. And, and so we've, we've reduced their, you know, habitat. And the interesting thing is the virus has made us have to do something similar. So let me ask you then for yin and yang, and maybe this doesn't yeah. apply at all, but just the way I was thinking about it also as it relates to essential oils is, you know, when you, you pick up an essential oil and you smell it, right? I was thinking the yin aspect is the liquid, right? Certainly it has um, yeah. spirit to it as well, but then when you're smelling it, so I have an immediate response to an oil immediately, right? As most people probably do, depending on my mood or depending yeah. on previous experience yeah. with it. But would you agree that this is sort of a yin and yang effect, just smelling an essential oil? First, I might just say that just to put things in context of botanical remedies, that in the general scheme of things compared to, you know, um, and I'm talking about botan. If if we to look at essential oils as a form of botanical medicine, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, compared to, you know, aqueous extracts of if you if you you know taking the plants that we use, you know, we, we you know use rosemary, thyme, sage, marjoram, oregano. We're using those in culinary way and cooking. Yeah. Yes. You know, that's a kind of aqueous extraction or putting them in tea having them as a tea infusion yes um decocting them boiling them immersing them in water and alcohol to produce a tincture distilling them we actually remove we actually separate the yin and yang aspects of those uh in a way in one way it's it's a little bit of an alchemical interpretation but Basically, there are two byproducts of distillation. One is the hydrosol, and of course, the other is that the volatile component, which floats. Floating, of course, again, is yang. It's lighter. Ah, yes. Most uh, most essential oils have a molecular weight that there are some exceptions like clove and cinnamon, but most essential oils will float because they are, have a lower molecular weight than uh, water and they float on the surface. Those are all yang characteristics. And yeah. by the way, the whole process of distillation is a strongly alchemical yin-yang process, uh -huh. or I should say yang-yin, because <laughs> there are two phases. There's the alembic, which under heat, which is yang, pressure, which is yang, time, which is yang, causes, it cooks, the plant material, which is yang, the steam rises, which is yang, 
the steam, of course, containing the aromatic compounds and water vapor. Then suddenly, very quickly, it goes through a, a you know, it goes through this coil of the condenser, this, this, you know, this tube or pipe that coils around and around, immersed in a big vat of cold yin water. And it moves downwards, yin, and it's slow, and it spirals around and around, which is yin. Um, and that, that's the, that's really, you know, that's the essence of the process of distillation. You know, um, it's a very, it has very strong fire and water, cold, hot, cold components that yields these two products, actually, the essential oil and the aromatic water or hydrosol or hydrolat. And which, of course, is the more yin aspect. It's, it's, it, it, you know, it's war. It's, it, it's, uh, mu it's much weaker, milder, watery, heavier, and the volatile component floats on top. And the components of of the, those components in the essential oil are rather simple molecules as well. They're small, simple molecules, which is also more yang. They easily evaporate, which is yang. Yeah. You know, they expand into the air and more so under heat, which is yang. And, you know, <clears throat> most of them are quite potent, relatively, if you like, compared to, it depends exactly what you're referring to as potency. But, I mean, they're relatively, it's not wrong to call them concentrated. I mean, the effect to put on neat on the skin, you know, um, you have to be, you know, careful. You have to use them with knowledge. They have right. to be diluted because they are so yang. So I just want to put in context that, that essential oils, relatively speaking, within themselves, compared to the whole range of, and even foods and, you know, see, you could say the most yin of all the um, botanical remedies, for example, would be like sea, sea, sea vegetables, seaweeds, you know, kelp and wakame, because they're full of minerals, heavy, the opposite of being volatile and they nourish the yin of the body. But the interesting thing is that essential oils though, despite their being very yang in nature, they have, and they, 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 have, they do have certain very pronounced effects that you could describe as yang on the body. There's no doubt about that because they are intensely antibacterial, many of them and very, very effective antifungal. And there's also some evidence to demonstrate that they have an antiviral activity. You know, those defensive aspects are defensiveness and protection. They are key yang characteristics. And they play the same kind of role in the plant. They defend the plant against virus, sorry, bacteria, fungal, and predators. So they have, just as they have that yang function in the plant, you know, they also have a very yang kind of um, benefit to us, our health as humans. But the interesting thing is that they also have a very exquisite and special, wonderful yin quality, which is the way that they can calm us, the way that they can 
harmonize the emotions, the way that they can relax us, the way that they can reconnect us to, you know, long lost memories. Their sensory, sensualizing quality that can bring us back into our body. And those are very yin kind of qualities. And of course they resonate in the plant with the fact that essential oils are obviously attractants for the, for the plants to pollinate and reproduce. Hmm. Um, so, you know, essential oils have very pronounced both yin and yang aspects that reflect, that, that act on us in these various ways in a similar way that the plant produces them as secondary metabolites. Secondary in the sense that they're not crucial like producing chlorophyll, but, but still play an important role for their survival. You know, the, the, just, to, just to say one last thing about the yin effect of essential oils, okay? Um, you know, I've described the way that they do have this special yin emotional effect, especially the floral oils, obviously, you know, um, you know, their, their kind of aphrodisiac sensualizing effect is a good example, as well as their general emotional effects. Um, but of course, they're, they're distinct from many herbs and of course foods, because they don't actually contain any kind of, you know, they don't have vitamins and minerals, they're not nourishing in that way. Um, so when in Chinese medicine, we describe a patient as being deficient in yin, okay, um, in order to rectify the deficiency of yin, it's quite important, not just their diet's important, because that's where they're, that, that's where you're, you get, you know, most of your yin nourish, nourishment is yin, and then herbs that are you know, rich in trace elements and minerals and so forth are important to nourish the yin. And the way that essential oils nourish the yin is not in any physical way. Huh. They, 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 they nourish the yin of the person in a more, if you like, emotional, energetic way. And uh, when you are deficient in yin, one of the main um, side effects, if you like, of that is anxiety, actually. And, you know, we've seen, especially with lavender, something I've made a special study of that, um, you know, there, there's research evidence for that, the, the, you know, the, they have a great many benefits for anxiety and anxiety, interestingly, as I said, in terms of TCM is one of the most significant uh, symptoms of being deficient in yin, you know, so, so I just wanted to clarify that, that that's how they're they, they benefit the yin in that kind of emotional, subtle way rather than the physical way that many herbs and foods do. So here in the US, there's a yeah. lot of marketing of essential oils as we kind of touched on earlier. And yeah. there's a lot of pres prescriptive one size fits all kind of yeah. Yeah. essential oils and it personally irks me a little bit. But yeah, it is what sure. it is. Because yeah. I really feel like everybody connects to an individual essential oil differently. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to talk yeah. about that a little bit more and get your perspective, especially as people who might be listening are using essential oils and are thinking about, you know, there might be 
at the beginning of their journey and they're thinking, where do I begin? Where do I start? And I think you did touch on it a little bit in your, you know, the, in the book. And there's different things you can do. But on a basic level, if you're just new to essential oils and you're trying to figure out what essential oils, if I only had a few to pick out, because you don't need to have mm-hmm. 30 essential oils in your home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the, what's a good way for a person to figure out how to connect with an essential oil? Um. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, obviously just, um, I think, you know, I- I- experiencing them and, uh, and, and, and smelling them, but, 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 but also sort of, you know, st- studying uh, a, a, about essential oils. And well, them. I suppose what I would consider the right books, <laughs> but um, I'm not trying to plug mine, by the way, by saying that, but I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. But what I do want to say, first of all, about the emphasis on what, you know, what uh, Marguerite Maury yeah. termed the, the individual prescription. I think I refer to it in, in Healing the Spirit. I can't remember now, but I think I do. Yeah. So Marguerite Maury was, she, she was a, um, a, a French uh, scientist and cosmetologist who was the one who really brought uh, together uh, essential oil therapeutics, especially with massage and with holistic treatments. So in a way, whereas Gattafoss and Valne were the real, you know, so, or Gattafoss being, of course, you know, we know that uh, in, in one way, aromatherapy has ancient roots, but as a modern 20th century phenomenon, you know, you can, can think of Gattafoss as, um, you know, being uh, the, 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 the sort of founder and it being developed by Valnay, a doctor. But, you know, the, the person who really put an emphasis on what, what was called the individual, you know, prescription and taking account of the person's innate makeup and nature. Um, they're constantly, you know, what we would call from, you know, uh, a, a sort of TCM and Ayurvedic ask you know viewpoint their constitution their individual makeup um which also relates to what the the french call the terrain you know the 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 sort of landscape or ground of their health and of course that's different in different people you know and so people uh you know even even when people may have the same you know uh, particular ailment that it, it may be it may arise from two different types of constitutional makeup and so working in that holistic way is not just about deciding what is best for a particular ailment or imbalance but of course it's also about in addition what is the right you know, what is the right essential oil or botanical remedy for that person and their individual constitution and makeup. And, um, and that's, that's kind of been intrinsic to the way that I've approached it really since the beginning and, and taught many students since about, you know, 87 by t- using Chinese medicine as a model for assessing a person's individual makeup. So when it comes to selecting essential the best essential oils that are going to make a difference to that person's health you take account of their symptoms you take account if they have you know 
migraine, headache, or eczema, bronchitis, but you also see those problems in the context of their individual constitutional makeup. And TCM, like Ayurveda, they give you a language and, you know, and a framework to understand that and classify that and make the blend that you formulate for them, um, not just for their condition, but, but for, for, for their whole being, you know, that's going to really make a difference. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I mentioned, you know, um, it's a little bit advanced, but the book by Peter Holmes is a new, it's in two volumes um, for, for people who really want to, you know, uh, get a grip of this understanding. Um, it's called Aromatica and it's in two volumes. It's by Peter Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S. It's published by Singing Dragon. Now, that's a great book for, um, for giving you that understanding, if you like, of what we would call, call you know, constitutional aromatherapy for understanding how essential oils and he, he you know he gives them really a good range of profiles and for each profile you really learn not just what it's good for but what kind of person or people it's good for so that I think that study helps but coming back to your initial point yeah I think you know this the fragrance and and uh, and that direct experience and seeing you know what you respond to and what makes you feel good and feel more balanced and what you feel need you need, um, I think definitely work with that. But I, I guess I'm a great believer in bringing together both. You know, of course, of course, yeah, ex yeah ex having that experience together with learning. You know, as a as an educator, I suppose is what yeah. also sort well, of excite, excites me. Yeah. No, I'm all for that. I, yeah, I yeah. Here myself, I, I think you need yeah. to find those two. I guess just sometimes people just get frozen and don't know where to start. So. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. They're overwhelmed yeah. by the amount of information out there, or they're worried that it's the wrong information. I always say, educate yourself. Find a school or a program where you can learn more. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, if you do want to just get familiar with essential oils start with the aspect of just smelling them <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah well that direct experience and sometimes you can go the other way and study them and then forget to use and smell them so <laughs> yes you know but again it's a yin and yang <laughs> right 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 no 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 yeah. there's there's it's just connecting with it all the time. And then, you know, you yeah. can have a whole nother discussion just about nature itself and the benefits of that. Yes. A whole nother yeah. conversation. Because I think that's really important to you. And I think people tend to forget we have, you know, just walk outside and there's plenty to connect with there as well. So, you know, I really have a feeling, you know, that I mean, that I can't prove this, <laughs> but I, I, I really, you know, I was saying earlier uh, when I was talking about the, the, the bodily soul, the Po, and how it's connected to the sense of smell and our senses as a whole and our instinctive nature. I really feel like I know that I couldn't have imagined living in the country as I do now in the 80s. You know, I love London you yeah. know, the cultural input and being able to, and of course I still love London, you know, to visit. <laughs> right. um, 
But, you know, the more that I followed my path, I could not live in that aerial environment, you know, all the time with the smell of where almost wherever you went. I mean, it's better in some American cities because it's more spread out, you know, because yeah. uh, I've lived, for example, in suburban Atlanta and that wasn't too bad at all. But London, you know, is a much more density of traffic and population. And I just feel that now, I don't know what it is. I, I've got a real passion for nature, you know, and every day I have to go out and, and it's an entire sensory experience. Now, my, I, I can't prove it, but I almost think that I've spent my, you know, decades now um, diffusing, smelling, bathing, using essential oils on a daily basis. And I feel that somehow it's really invigorated my bodily soul, my instinctive nature. And I wonder, has that kind of increased my love of nature that I have to be out there and, and, and love nature? But that's just my own feeling. But of course, I know that, you know, many, many people uh, love nature and it isn't necessarily connected to aromatherapy, but maybe it is just for me. Yeah, no, no, I feel the same. And like you said earlier, the, with the, you know, with COVID having come in the last year and us yeah. not having the chance to connect with others and, you know, yeah. outside, yeah. but travel as much. I, yeah. and I yeah. you know, my husband and I, we make sure we take a walk every day at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and right. just yeah. for us, it's a scent walk. I'm always pointing out, oh, look, I'm smelling you know, somebody's cooking something there or yes. you know, the, the yeah. Yeah trees are are it's windy today so i smell the eucalyptus and then there's a chocolate factory down the street <laughs> so right, it's really, sure, I, yeah. I to connect with my sense of smell just on that visceral level just yeah 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 absolutely yeah yeah, no, yeah. Nice. yeah well i've taken up so much of your time so i want to just nice. finish off with a fun little exercise i think i gave you the uh, questions ahead of time so you could think about yeah. them bit but I just thought it'd be fun because it's another way of connecting with you and getting to know you and having the listeners get to know you so I want to ask you just three simple questions the first one being so what's your favorite smell right now well um I just had it I I was uh, in fact um doing some consulting um for a, a company in fact in California and I was very um, fortunate uh, doesn't this doesn't happen all the time but it's one of the uh, perks if you like of being <laughs> wor working in the field and um, in fact I've got it here I've got a lovely box and I, I you know I'm, I'm always I'm always falling in love again with rosemary yes you know I yes. it's growing way. out sorry I'm the same way. Sorry, I yeah, I, I yeah. completely agree. It's um and and the you know the 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 the, the rosemary in, here in this box is a particularly you know fine one. Um, I'm not going to say it's the best type rosemary. I love I particularly love the camphor chemotype. Um, that, you know, yes. Um, the best that I've ever but it's it's actually really lovely, you know, and I I, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> So, so oil, um, right? you have it, in, you're saying it's an essential oil format. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The yeah. It's, it's a, not the yeah, yeah. rosemary from the bush or anything like that. No, it's a, yeah, it's the, 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 the essential oil. Yeah. Um, but um, I do have some just growing outside and I, you know, 
often photographed it over the years as well and then you know pick some and, and use it in cooking but but since i got this batch of samples um yeah i've just always i always like come back you know kind of reminds me of shakespeare and everything as well in tudor times it's just my own little fantasy that um you know the green the green the kind of green fragrance energy as well um is very balancing and harmonizing which i like but of course it's a very invigorate you know rosemary is especially yes. a kind of pungent green so it's also you know quite invigorating and uplifting and i think maybe particularly because it's winter you know um something that gives me that kind of fortitude at the moment probably thinking about it now yeah no that's, that's good. so yeah <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Yeah. And then do you have a favorite scent memory that you could share? I was thinking about that. And I think that I was really lucky because in 1999, I um, heard about and I went on a aromatic study tour to South India organized by, you know, Christopher McMahon. Okay. Yeah. Who recently, um, who, well, who's for many years, uh, his company, I think it's called White, is it White Lotus? Yes, White Lotus. Yes, yes. And um, it was um, organized with him and uh, Ramakant Haralka, who's a sort of walk walking encyclopedia of essential oils and has it based in Mumbai with a, uh, well, it seems to be a series of companies, but his main one is Nishantaromas. And we drove through... We started in um, in Chennai and drove through the south and through Madras and the sandalwood and but I remember there were lots of amazing aromatic experience. I mean the whole the whole thing was in a way, but maybe in particular it was being taken early in the morning before sunrise to the jasmine fields and then just oh, wow. the, the whole experience of you know, the sun rising and going out there and not being, you know, just not seeing much because it was dark, but being <laughs> intoxicated with this, you know, overwhelming, beautiful, sweet, exquisite fragrance of, uh, you know, the jasmine grandiflorum flowers. Wow. And that they were described poetically in a lot of uh, Indian verses being like stars in the night, you know, because these white flowers just would glow in 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 the kind of, early you know early morning um time uh, where it's still dark and then yeah so just in you know that whole experience of being there when and that was of course the time that they needed picking because it was at sunrise when the you know the the uh the the the, the local people would come and um start picking them because it was when the you know the fragrance is at its peak uh, so that whole experience was was a really beautiful aromatic one. Wow, fine. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds yeah. wonderful. I hope to have one of those yeah. one day. Yeah, when we can all travel again. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the third question, I guess, would be, what would you say are five smells that best describe you? Yeah, I was kind of. I in a way, oh, I come. Sorry. That was hard, probably, right? <laughs> um, 
No, yeah, a, a little bit hard, but fun too, quite fun. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think in a way, you know, I, I, think, I think there's definitely an overlap probably between, you know, what, I've, what I'm drawn to um, maybe, you know, is a, a little bit of a reflection or a mirror of me in a sense. And I already mentioned sort of Rosemary in that context. Um, so I think that would be one of them. And, and typically, because you said five, of course, I, you know, to some extent can't really, I end up sort of also, this I tend to do, see them from each of those five element point of view. Ah, yes. I didn't um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I was talking about, you know, again, about the, the bodily soul, which is connected to the lungs and the, the metal element in TCM. And for me, you know, um, as a genus, I'm cheating here a bit because it's <laughs> going to cover more than just one oil and <laughs> sage, okay, okay. you know, salvia, you know, with, you know, is I don't know, there's something, you know, I really, you know, I've always loved the salvia. I mean, the, 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 main, the main one that I have worked with, therapeutically speaking, is, is the salvia levangelifolia. Okay. Um, you know, and I've, um, there's also, um, you know, that's, that's has some, that's some amazing, uh, clinical research that's been done on that. And then there's the white sage, the salvia apiana, which, you know, I have that special feeling for the Southwest in particular that, and then the clary sage, the salvia scleria yeah. as well, I think is really you know, got something magical and uh, about it, you know, yeah. and, and, and so I think, I think the set, the sage kind of reflects that side of me that loves nature, that loves to explore the senses, um, and beauty in the world. And, um, yeah, um, and, and also I would say that is um, excited by things that I feel, are, I feel vitalized by, because it's, you know, the, that metal element and the sage is, you know, it's almost like along with rosemary, you know, the kind of ginseng of aromatherapy is a tonic, you know, it's a, one, it's a wonderful ton, a chi tonic, you know. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, and it really connects you with that, the vitality and the sense of what we call what, what they would refer to as the vital spirit, you know, in, uh, in sort of 19th century terms, that sense of vital spirit and vitality, you know, and I, I, that's something I would, I aspire to. There may be, when I say it's me, I think it's something I need, you know, it, it, it really f fills me up. So it's the sage. <laughs> um, and then, you know, in, of course, my, my interest in spirituality, meditation, contemplation, you know, di the different traditions, frankincense, you know, ah. because, you know, you see it, I think the interesting thing about frankincense is that, you know, it, 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 it's important, you know, in this sort of uh, the Middle Eastern spiritual cultures of Sufism and Islam, but also, you know, the Western uh, Christianity and the Greek Orthodox and, and, you know, it's that, that, that resonance 
uh, quality is, as you know, many people obviously uh, find that it really, you know, kind of um, sort of gives them that spiritual inspiration. And so I guess the frankincense in that way, I kind of really identify with as being, you know, reflective of my, my spirit or, you know, my, my kind of, you know, longing for union and yoga, you know, that, 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 that side of me, if you like, which is so symbolic of, you know, throughout history. And then, um, and then there's, um, well, actually, you know, lavender, I think, um, I love the freshness and the blue freedom, you know, of being on the plateau of Valençol in the south of France. And, ah. <laughs> you know, I, I, love the, I love that fresh morning, blue, cool feeling that, of uplift and carefree insouciance. You know, that's how I relate to lavender. And again, I think that's something, that's how I like to be. That's how I like to feel you know, that it's also at the same time comforting, you know, and it's like a, it's like a guide, like the torchbearer, which it's the ancient uh, symbolism of lavender related to Hecate, the torchbearer, bringing light into dark, where there's darkness, bringing hope. Um, so I think, uh, you know, for me, that lavender, that, that the kind of sweet freshness of lavender and being in that kind of environment and just carefree, simple uh, is, is also, you know, the, something that I like to, I, you know, connect with. And, um, <clears throat> and then I guess, um, you know, also um, the other one I would say perhaps, I, I especially like black spruce and in, in kind of also the conifers generally, you know, yeah. um, when I say, the, you know, the fir, the pine, the pine is sylvestris, but maybe one of my favorite common ones, and there's a lovely one they sent me in this box I've got as a new one of black, uh, is, um, you know, black spruce. Um, and because I think that, um, Oh, going back to the beginning where I said that I grew up in Maryland, you know, among these huge trees and, and that, that kind of Sylvian experience that, that of being in that kind of, you know, really, you know, kind of deciduous environment where you, you're, you're immersed in those, you know, pine-like fragrances surrounding you. And, you know, I, I, like, I love that because it, you know, it kind of connects me with that sense of um, inner, you know, of, of kind of strength and stability and, and connection with the earth. I think, I think is, is, again, something that, you know, I kind of thrive on and, and takes me back to those early experiences. So, yeah, I think maybe those would be the five that I think of. <laughs> I want to thank you for yeah. spending this time with me. Wow, I've taken up a lot of your time. So I really appreciate oh, my pleasure. Your yeah. time with me. And yeah, it's been uh, very grateful, given the opportunity. Thanks, Frauke. Yeah, it's been, it's been really enjoyable to have such an avid listener. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of listeners are going to enjoy this episode, so I can't wait to okay. <laughs> share it with everybody. And uh, no, thank you. Thank you for coming on today.
No, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, blessings to you and all your listeners. Thank you. During this time, thank you. And, and, and enjoy, the, enjoy the oils and the fragrances. Yes, always, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow, wasn't that great? What an honor to get to speak to Gabrielle and to learn from him. I've got links to his book and where you can get connected with him on social media in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. I just want to do a really quick wrap up as I always like to do. Let's just take a minute to reflect on what we can take away from this conversation. I guess the first thing I'd say is that I'm going to think more about this yin and yang aspect of my life, of my work with my essential oils, and just my well-being in general. Remember, yin is the material, the substantial, the visible, the solid, while yang is the immaterial and non-substantial. It's the invisible, the dynamic. I love that, this static and dynamic connection. So I'm going to connect with my essential oils in new ways, keeping these two forces in mind, thinking about how each oil serves me relative to what I'm trying to address and what issue I want to resolve. But I'll also reflect on this idea of fragrance energetics. I loved when he talked about fragrance families, not just being qualities, descriptors, if you will. They're not just resinous, fruity, spicy, floral, herbaceous. In fact, they're also actions. They affect and influence things. That I think is gonna be exciting for me to explore further. So I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. Did it make you think about things a little differently or did you learn new things? What did you find most interesting? Send me a voicemail and let me know your thoughts. It's really easy to do it. There's a link right in the show notes, which will take you to where you can leave me a voicemail. I'd love to hear what you think. Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.